We're going to read the, the entire last chapter. It's only six verses long uh, of the book of Malachi. Uh, there's uh, one or two uh, specific things that are sticking out in my mind about it, but we will read all six verses of it. So, uh, book of Malachi, uh, chapter 4 and verse 1. says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud... Yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and ye shall tread down the wicked. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Uh, again, that's just the last chapter, <laughs> the last six verses of the Old Testament. Uh, and there's two, two things that are brought up here. One is the warning that goes forth, says, Behold, uh, for behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name, Shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Now, this first, uh, the first verse in Malachi chapter 4 is a warning. It's a warning unto who? It's not a warning to those which believe. It's not a warning to those which are the elect and the called of God. It's a warning to those that do wickedly. It's a warning to those, uh, as we would say in the New Testament times that we live in now, the unregenerate person, the person that is not saved. That warning is going out to them. He says there's a day coming that he's going to burn everything up as it's in an oven. He says, and those that do wickedly, they shall be as stubble. What is stubble? That The Bible speaks of more often than not. The stubble is what's left over on the ground after the crop has been brought in, after everything that is useful has been brought in, gathered into the barns. It's been cut. It's been, it's been put away uh, for use later. He says that those that do wickedly will be a stubble in that day. And in that day, that stubble will burn up. That stubble will be done away with. It was useless while it was here. It was useless while it was in the fire. Folks, you can't use a whole, or it takes a whole lot of stubble in order to start a fire because it burns up so quickly. But God even goes further than that. Here in the book of Malachi, he says there will neither there won't even be the root or the branch. There won't be a trunk. There will be nothing left of this. It will be completely and utterly destroyed. It will be completely and utterly done away with. That is the great day of wrath of the Lord.
sword that is the wrath and the fury of an almighty God that has warned us from the beginning of time that this is how it would be. But in verse 2, he says, But unto you who fear my name, unto you who I have, unto you that are with me, the Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. I praise God for the Son of Righteousness that was Jesus Christ that it's referring to there. The Son of Righteousness came upon this earth to do what Paul puts it best in 1 Timothy. He says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's why the Son of Righteousness came upon the earth to keep us from the day of wrath and fury of the Lord to keep us from being burned up as stubble. Hallelujah to Jesus Christ. Amen. The Son of Righteousness. Yeah. He'll arise. And when He does, He will have healing in His wings. The Son of Righteousness of God. I understand we are quickly approaching Christmas Day. I, I, I completely understand that I've never preached a sermon because of what day was coming up or because of what season we were in or, or any of those things. Hey, I read in the Old Testament where God despised the feast days of the Jews. He despised their new moons. He despised those types of things. I preach what God lays on me regardless of the time of year, regardless if it's Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, or any other day. But folks, this Son of Righteousness, He was born into a world. And why was that? This Son that is brought up here in Malachi, if you look there, it's spelled S-U-N. What is the Son to us in the physical world? It's something that gives off life. It is something that helps with life. It gives life to plants. gives life to you. gives life to me. It is something that benefits us that helps us the son of righteousness has arisen and he has healing in his ways praise God Amen. the son of righteousness has already been born he's already came He's on, the Bible describes him as the light of the world. You read in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. You read where John the Baptist, he, he came into the world and it says that he was not the light. He was not the light that came into the world, but he came to bear witness of that light. The true light, the light that came and is shown on every man that is born. Every man, whether you're saved or lost, the light has shown in you. If you're lost, it's shown in you and you fled from the light. But if you're saying, hey, when that light showed in your heart and showed you what a wretch you are, what a sinner you are, how filthy you are, hey, that's when God can work with a heart. That's when God saved your unworthy soul. That's the son of righteousness. That's the son that came with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. Amen. The Son of Righteousness, yep. He's already come. He's already come. There was all kinds of prophecy about Him in the Old Testament. This is just one. This is just one of them. 
The folks, it has been like this from the beginning. It has been like this from the first chapter of Genesis. What does it say? In the beginning, God created the, the earth, the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved over the waters. Hey, folks, that's a desolate picture that the first few verses of Scripture paints, but the very next thing, God steps in on the scene. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he divided the light from the darkness. That's what he does between the saved and the lost. He divides us from the world. Divides us from that which is dark, that which is bleak, that which is without use to him. The, The lost people, they are of no use to God. They are of no use to him. Think about that for a second. Don't take my word for it. Read Psalms chapter 1 if you don't believe me. It refers to those that are evil, those that do wickedly, those that wallow around in their sin. It refers to them as chaff. You know what chaff is? Chaff is that thing when they used to do the winnowing with the wheat back in the Bible days. They'd go up on the hill. They always built the threshing floor up on the hill. Why? Because that's where the wind was the strongest. They'd build it up on the hill. They'd take those rakes. They'd take those shovels. They'd take everything. The chaff, the wheat grains, everything. They would scoop it. They'd throw it up into the wind and the wind would blow away the chaff because it was useless. And the good stuff, it would fall back down to the threshing floor. That was the useful stuff. That's the things that people needed. That's the things they could make bread with. That's something they could use to nourish them, but the chaff was useless. They didn't care where the wind carried it to. They didn't care if they blew it this way or that way because it was of no use to them. Folks, those that do wickedly are of no use to God. Now, we which are saved, do we do wickedly? We sin. We sin. Every day. I don't care if you like it or not. You sin. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible teaches. I'm a saved sinner. If you're sitting out here unsaved, you're a lost sinner. And that's the only two, that's the only difference between the two of us is that I'm saved and on my way to heaven and you are lost and on your way to hell. I don't know the condition of anyone's heart here other than myself. I don't know for certain about any one individual within this building now, but I know about me and I know I'm heaven bound. I know that God looked down. He looked down in the blackness that I was in, in the filth I was in, and the muck and mire that I was laying dead and lifeless in. And He came down to where I was, picked me up out of the mire, set my feet upon a solid rock, and established my going. Hey, that's my God. That's what He does. That's what the Son of Righteousness did for me. If you're saved, that's what He did for you if you're lost that's what he can do he'll establish you going folks from the beginning it was that way it was dark it was desolate it was useless really it says it was the earth was without form and void Mm -hmm. it was useless there was nothing there it took God to step in and it took God to say let there be light Mm -hmm. but fast forward fast forward to the time of Jesus 
I said, I know we're coming up on Christmas. This ain't exactly a Christmas message. We'll talk about the birth of Jesus for just a moment, though. Actually, we'll talk about the prophecy surrounding it. What? <laughs> there was an angel came to a man named Zacharias. He was a priest in the temple. And he went in to offer before the Lord, offer up incense before God. He went in the temple. There was an angel appeared to him named Gabriel. said, I know you've been wanting a boy. I know you've been you've been wanting a child, and his wife Elizabeth she was barren at the time. But said she's going to conceive. You're going to have a boy. And he said, "How's this going to happen?" And immediately that that angel made Zechariah a mute. He he closed his mouth up, and the man couldn't speak. And the angel told him how it was going to be. The angel later on appears to Mary and tells her she's going to have a baby. She says, "How can this happen? Because I know not a man. I'm a virgin. I've never lain with a man. I've never been in bed with a man. How is this thing going to happen?" The angel lays it out for her. She says, "Be it unto me." as God wants it to be done. And folks, a little bit later on, after the birth of John, of Zacharias prophesied. And he said, hey, this man here, this man child that has been born my son, John will be a prophet of the highest. He will be a prophet of that son of righteousness. He'll be a prophet of the one that came to be alive in this world. Folks, what kind of news was that to these Jews that hadn't heard from God in 400 years? They finally got word from him. Yep. They finally got word. But a prophet had not been in Israel for 400 years. And this man says, my son's going to be a prophet of Messiah. My son's going to be a prophet of the highest. And what does it go on to say in this prophecy that Zacharias talks about? It goes on to say that he came to be a light, to shine as a light to those that sit in darkness, to those that dwell in the shadow of death. He came to be a light. And hey, that was me that sat in darkness. That was you that sat in darkness. We were all in darkness. We were all in the shadow of death. That prophecy was for all of mankind. Everyone that sat in darkness. Everyone that lived in the shadow of death. That dwelt there. Folks, the question is, are you in the shadow of death? Are you in darkness? Because there's a light out there. Folks, there's two main beacons in the Word of God. I've already told you about one in Genesis 1. When God says, let there be light. Folks, you flip all the way over to the end of the book. Revelation 22. I believe it's verse 5, if I'm not horribly mistaken. It says there'll be no need of the sun there. There'll be no need of the moon there. No need of lamps. No need of lanterns. No need of electric lights. No need of any of these things. There'll be no need of fire. There'll be no need of any of those things. Why is that? Because God will be the light of that kingdom. Jesus Christ and His glory will be the light of that kingdom. Folks, it took God to speak it into existence in Genesis 1 and God will be our light at the end of the book in between all of that there's over 200 times that light is brought up 
in the scriptures. This life is important. Jesus Christ is important. Whether you think so or whether you don't, he is. The eternal state of your soul is at stake. Amen. The son of righteousness yeah. has risen and he has healing in his wings. Mm -hmm. He was born. We all know the story. We know the Christmas cow. The shepherds were watching their flocks by night. What happened? Angels came down, told them, hey, this day in the city of David is born unto you a Savior. Praise God. That's the son of righteousness that I've been talking about. That is born this day a Savior. And folks, that was Jesus. That was Emmanuel. That is God with us. That is, that is the son of righteousness that Malachi was talking about here in the last chapter of his book. The son of righteousness had risen with healing in his wings but those shepherds hey where they went to where the baby was not only did they witness a little human baby laying there in the manger I don't care if it was wood I don't care if it was stone I don't care about any of those things he was laying in a manger because there was no room for him at the end but the shepherds they found him and what did they see they saw a little man child a little baby but folks they witnessed life come in to the world. They witness light, life-giving light. They witness the Son of Righteousness come in to existence as far as the human plane is concerned. Amen. They saw it just laying there. What a, what a hallelujah time it must have been. I wasn't there. I've seen, I've seen plays, and you all have too, where the shepherds come, they come all neat and orderly, and they, they come, they check out Jesus laying there in the manger. I've seen some plays where the shepherds shout with joy. I've seen other plays where they just bow down and worship him. What happened there, Spencer? I got no clue. I wasn't there. I don't know exactly how they responded. But folks, I can tell you, regardless of how they responded, it doesn't change the word of God. And it doesn't change the purpose for the son of righteousness coming into the world. It doesn't change the, uh, the fact that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, I might add, in a stable somewhere in the town called Bethlehem. That is fact. You'll never change my mind about it. The scripture teaches it. I believe it. God's word is forever settled in heaven. I don't care who says what. I don't care what kind of scientific evidence someone wants to try and throw. God said she will be a virgin in the book of Isaiah. And by gosh, she was a virgin in the New Testament. Amen. Period. Oh, those shepherds came. They came, they witnessed light, could be born into this world. That light, as I've already said, what does light do? <coughs> light, that's right, it drives away darkness. Light illuminates that which is dark. That's why the gospel is so important. That's what the gospel does. Y'all that have heard me preach uh, here for the past two, two and a half years, however long it's been, y'all have heard me refer to this book as the gospel light. And that's exactly what it is. When this book is preached, when it's read, when the gospel of Jesus Christ is presented, it is a light. It's a light to the souls of those which are saved and it's a light to the souls of those which are lost. Those which are lost will sit in their seats and they'll squirm all around. But those which are saved, hey folks, it's a reminder of what God saved us 
from. I don't know your past. You don't know everything about mine. But I can promise you, I know that you were a sinner. And I know that I was a sinner. And I know there was a Jesus Christ that died for my sin and for you. He is the son of righteousness that arose with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. That's what I know. Folks, the Bible repeats that over and over. From about Genesis 3 all the way through the rest of Scripture. God is good and you are not. God is good and I am not. God is good and no human being is. The Bible says there is none that seeketh after righteousness. There is none that seeketh after God. No, not one. There is none that seek Him. Folks, the only thing that brings God, us to God is Almighty God Himself. Jesus Christ said that He was the only way to the Father. And He also said that we couldn't come unless the Father drew us. And you're in the fold of Almighty God because God wanted you there. And for no other reason. It's not your works. It's not your tithing. It's not your work in the church. It's not your feeding the hungry. It's not your, it's none of those things. It's not your saying a kind word to everybody. Folks, there's nice lost people out there in the world. I know a bunch of them. I got some of my own family. And they're nice. They're good to get along with. That does not get them into heaven. I'm going to heaven because God placed me in that fold. I'm going to heaven because a man named Jesus Christ died in my place. That cross that he that he hung on, that cross that he dragged up on Calvary's hill, that cross that he bled on, hey, that was just as much my cross as it was his. It was more so my cross because that man was completely innocent. That man hung there for me. He died for me. He bled for me. But he did it all for me that I could have love and have it more abundantly. He's the son of righteousness. The son in the physical realm. In the physical realm, we walk outside after service today, we'll see light. Clouds might be covering up that big orange ball up in the sky, but we'll still see light. That gives us life. Folks, the son of righteousness does the same thing. To a sinner that is dead and trespasses in sin, not wallowing around in your sin, not wallowing around in your trespasses, because dead people can't waller. You're laying there, dead and trespasses in sin. You might have walked in the church. You might be breathing. Your heart might be pumping. You might feel like a million bucks for all I know. But if you're lost, you are dead in trespasses and sin, according to my Bible. But according to my Bible, there is life. There is a life that was given on your behalf so that you could have life. The life of Jesus Christ, it was never taken from him. He gave it voluntarily. He done that. Hey, it was the will of the Father that he do so. And he came to fulfill the Father's will. That's why when he was in the garden and he was praying and he said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I don't read in scripture where the cup passed. It was the Father's will that these things came to be. It was the Father's will that a way be made that you and I and all of cursed mankind could be reconciled back to Him. Hallelujah. That's love. That is love. 
And somebody would do that. And some, something, somebody would give themselves <clears throat> for me or for you. The Bible says, greater man hath no love than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. He laid down his life for you. He laid it down for me. The son of righteousness did this. Folks, think about this for a second. Think about what Jesus did, being the son of righteousness. Being the very one that was prophesied of in Malachi. Being the very one that was prophesied of in Genesis 3 when God told Adam and Eve, hey, I'm cursing you. I'm cursing you. You're going to have to work for all your days, Eve. You're going to have to bear children and you're going to have to do it in agony. But he, and he told the serpent, he cursed the serpent to its belly, but he also made a promise that there be a seed that came from a woman that would bruise the head of the serpent. He said, you might bruise the hill of my people for just a little while, but I am going to crush your skull. That was love that that happened. And it was a promise that came to be. <clears throat> now, think about this. Jesus Christ is that son of righteousness. Jesus Christ is the one that came and bled and died. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, the very one that could have called legions, yeah. could have called battalions of angels mm -hmm. to come and take care of business, yeah. to come and take care of those folks that were whipping him, take care of those that were arresting him in the garden before the whipping ever got, got, came to be took care of the ones that, that dragged him to an illegal trial that he was put through. He could have called every angel of heaven to put those people in their place, but he did not. Why? And folks, he wouldn't have even had to have done that. He was God. He could have done it all himself uh, without calling any angels. But folks, he didn't do any of those things. Why? His love. His love is why. His love, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever lives in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, that's the love that God had for the world. That love is shown in Jesus Christ, not only in his birth and not only in his life and in his ministry, but especially with his death. The love of God is shown and especially with the resurrection of Jesus Christ three days later that proved that Jesus Christ was who who he said that he was, that vindicated who he said that he was. He told that bunch, he said, hey, if you tear down this temple in three days, I will raise it right back up. Hey, folks, that was Jesus Christ saying, I have power of God because I am God. Amen. He could have called legions of angels, could have called, could have called, or uh, could have not even bothered calling the legions of angels and took care of it himself, but he did not. He came, why? Or what was specific about him in Malachi? He had healing in his wings. What was that healing for? It was for the sins of mankind. It was for the sins of your nature, your, uh, your desires, your lusts, and mine too. I ain't leaving me out of this, folks. I know it sounds like I point a finger a lot of times, but folks, if I point one at you, I got three more pointing back at me. It is for all of us. It is for all of us that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, came in to this world. What does the Bible say there in John, John 1? It says the light came in and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness comprehended it not. What? what 
What's the significance of that? It didn't understand it. It didn't get it. But folks, that did not stop the light from coming in. And it didn't stop the light from doing what it was going to. Folks, I don't care how, uh, how, how, how black we paint these walls in here, how black we might paint the ceiling, how we might get black shag carpet in here and black uh, upholstery on every chair in this building. When somebody goes back there and flips that light switch on, there's going to be some light show in here. Now, folks, Jesus Christ, when he came into the world, he wasn't like us. The, Jesus Christ said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said that a city which is set on a hill cannot be hid. He said if a man lights a candle, he doesn't set it under his bed or under a bushel. He sets it up in the house so that everybody in the house can see it. Jesus Christ didn't come in as a city. He didn't come in as a candle. He came in as the light of the entire world. Even right now on the other side of the world where it's dark, yeah, Jesus Christ mm -hmm. is still the light there. Mm -hmm. Twelve hours from now, it'll be dark here. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is still the light. He's still shining. Mm -hmm. Folks, I understand I'm using physical light to draw some illustrations here. But Jesus Christ didn't come in as any of those things. You think of the most powerful spotlight you've ever seen. Most powerful bright light. That idiot coming at you on the other side of the road late at night. When you got a little mist of water all over your windshield, they want a bright light. You think about those lights. Mm -hmm. That pales in comparison to the light of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It pales in comparison to Him. And you read over in Genesis 1. When God said, let there be light, says, and there was light. Folks, that wasn't the sun. The sun wasn't created for a couple more days after that. That was light because God spoke it into existence. That was light that came in without any aid of an outside element other than Almighty God. God spoke that light into existence. Amen. And that light over in Revelation 22 I was talking about. Yeah. It's the same light. It's the same light. Jesus Christ and His glory. Almighty God will be the light of that city. Amen. There will be no need of the sun. No need of the moon. No need of any of those things. Now this son of righteousness that Malachi was talking about. Mm -hmm. Folks, this was a promise. It was a promise made to, once again to Jewish people. Namely to Jewish people here in, in this context. Now, folks, it, it extends on to us. Because that, that torch was passed. I ain't saying that the Jews are out of the picture. God's still going to have his day with them. Oh, yeah. He will still have his day with the Jewish nation. Don't believe me? Read Daniel. Uh -huh. Read Jeremiah. Read Revelation. In particular, Revelation 12. Read all these scriptures. Read Ezekiel. Read about the last third of the book of Ezekiel. God will still have his time with Israel. It has not ended for them. But we, the Gentile church, those of us that are saved and born again, we've had this torch for 2,000 years now. We've had this, this torch of light. What did Jesus Christ say at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount? He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Folks, that means we go out into the world. It doesn't matter if it's someone that's saved or someone that's lost, someone black, someone white, someone straight, someone gay someone Jew, someone Gentile, it doesn't matter. He said, let your light so shine before men. He didn't specify what men. He said, let it shine. Amen. Folks, and that's no light of our own. That's the light of Jesus Christ. I can produce no light. I can produce no light. The moon produces no light. 
the moon reflects the light of the sun. Amen. You and I are luminaries of Jesus Christ. Amen. We can produce no light of our own. Amen. If there is any light whatsoever coming off of you or coming off of me, it's reflecting off uh, It's what we're reflecting off of the light of Jesus Christ. And that is all that it is. There's too many Pharisees in the church building. There's too many Sadducees. There's too many scribes and too many chief priests that are saying, look what I've done. Look what I'm doing. Look what I intend to do. Hey folks, if it ain't got nothing to do with God and God had nothing to do with it it is absolutely useless as far as furthering the kingdom of God Amen. they're doing it for people to pat their back mm -hmm. and say good job Yeah. <clears throat> back to verse 1 in Malachi chapter 4 there's a warning those that do wickedly mm -hmm. shall be burned up or they'll, they'll be a stubble yeah. folks he's a there's a fire coming. I can't explain it. You can't explain it. But the Bible describes it. Peter says that it will burn the very elements. Mm -hmm. That means it will burn the air. It will burn water. It will burn the very elements. There is judgment coming mm -hmm. that you can't stop and <laughs> that I can't stop. There was judgment in the Old Testament coming on Israel. Hey, the gears were already turning. They were, it was coming. God had said it was going to come. And Jeremiah tried to warn the people. Jeremiah tried. Isaiah tried. All kinds of the prophets, they tried, to, they, they, they tried to give some warning. And then you get over to the minor prophets and you see them say, Hey, this is going to happen. We need to repent. We need to repent and turn back to God. Repent, turn back toward His way. Folks, what do we read here in Malachi chapter 4? Uh, in the latter half of that chapter, uh, God says, remember the commandments of God. Remember His laws. Remember His statutes. Remember the law. He says that I gave to Moses and Horeb. Horeb was Mount Sinai. Why did He do that, folks? It wasn't to give us a set of rules to follow. It was to show who God was. It was to show his personality and his traits and what he was capable of. And when Jesus Christ came here and lived on this earth, he followed every law, every jot, every tittle, precept upon precept, and line upon line. He followed it all because he was God. Amen. And he's still God. Yep. And he said, remember. Remember the law that I gave Moses. Folks, we now remember this was written to Jews. This was the last prophecy, as far as we know, given to the Jews. And God was silent for 400 years. 400 years. No prophets, no writings. Some of you wonder why some of the books were taken out of the Bible. That's why, because some of those books were written during that 400 years of silence. And they could not have been God-inspired if that was the case. Because God was silent. Mm -hmm. 400 years, God hadn't spoken a word. God hadn't sent any prophets. Nothing. And this man named John came along, or this baby, I should say, mm -hmm. named John came along. Given to birth uh, by Elizabeth. Zacharias was his father. He came to prophesy, <coughs> to, to, to lead the way. Not for himself, but for Jesus Christ. When he saw Jesus coming down after they were grown men, mm -hmm. John came out the wilderness, said he was wearing, wearing those fancy clothes, yeah, but clothes of camel's hair, 
eating wild honey and locusts. How do you like a diet like that? But John came out of the wilderness like that, like, like a true prophet of old would have. He came out of the wilderness like that, preaching repentance. And he looked down the riverbank one day, and here comes Jesus. But John had given warning before that. He said, the one that's coming after me. Because they were asking him, are you a prophet? Are you the one that was promised? Or are you this? Are you that? He said, I'm not. He said, I, I'm, I'm bearing witness of that one. Mm-hmm. He said, but there's one coming after me of whose shoe I am unworthy to stoop down and undo the latchet on his shoe. He said, I'm unworthy to do that. Folks, I'm unworthy to be called a child of God. And if you're saved and born again, you are unworthy of that. No one is worthy of that. Why? Because we're all sinners. What is a sinner? It's someone that has rebelled against God. It's someone that rebelled against the very statutes, the very laws that God said to remember here in Malachi chapter 4. I don't care. Hey, folks, you can say, well, I've never done this. I've never done that. I've never committed murder. How many of you in here has told a lie? I guarantee everybody in here could raise their hands. That is an offense against a holy God that has never told a lie in his entire life. But we compare ourselves with other people. We say, well, I've never murdered. I've never committed adultery. I've never done this. I've never done that. Folks, we are sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is why the Son of Righteousness had to make an appearance on this earth. But praise God, before, before Malachi was ever born, before even Moses was born, before Abraham was born, God knew what would happen. Yeah. That's why he promised a seed of a woman to bruise the serpent's head. Mm-hmm. That seed is not you, and it's not me, and it wasn't Billy Graham, <laughs> and it's not any other preacher that you know of no. other than the preacher of preachers, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That is who that seed was. That seed is the son of righteousness. Salvation is the son of righteousness. Redemption is the son of righteousness. All of these things is the son of righteousness that Malachi was talking about here, folks. He is the light that came into the world. And the Bible says when he came in that the darkness comprehended it not. What does John chapter 3 say about the light and darkness? It says that men, they loved their way so much that they, they didn't care that this Jesus was coming in on the picture. What what does the Bible say? It says that men love darkness rather than light. Folks, and that's the way the lost world is right now. That's the shape that they're in right now. They hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. They hear salvation. They hear redemption. They hear of the blood. But it offends them that someone would call them a sinner. It offends them to say, hey, you need a Savior. If you're here and you're lost, you need a Savior. And that Savior is only in Jesus Christ. Men love darkness rather than light. Folks, I know what we've been taught, especially in the American church for 200 years, about hell. And I know a lot of it's not biblical. I know some of the jokes that I've heard about it. And you've probably heard too, people say, I'm, I go up and go into hell and go play cards with my buddies. Yeah. We're going to party it up. Mm-hmm. We're going to hook up with all the women, yeah. all the men, whatever the case is. We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. We're going to do that. 
Folks, let me tell you, the world started out as a dark place, and hell's going to be a dark place. Mm -hmm. The Bible describes it as outer darkness. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. I have no clue. Scripture doesn't really define it for us, but I know what darkness is. I don't even want to know what outer darkness is. Mm -hmm. Folks, <clears throat> judgment's coming. Oh, yeah. Malachi 4.1. The son of righteousness rise mm -hmm. with healing in his wings. Malachi 4.2. But that is only for those that fear the name of God. If you're lost, you don't fear him. Mm -hmm. Half the church world don't even seem to fear him right now. Amen. They don't seem to have a fear of God. Mm -hmm. I ain't saying being scared of Almighty God. Now listen, and Roger brought it up when he got up and opened this morning. And I was sitting there thinking, I'm going to be kind of preaching that. Mm -hmm. He said, fear not man that can destroy your body, but fear God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Amen. Folks, hell is its own separate place of torment. And I believe that there's flames there. I believe that there's thoughts there. I believe we'll have every sense in hell. Or I shouldn't say we because I ain't going to be there, praise <laughs> God. But I believe that people that end up there yeah. will have every sense that they have right now. Mm -hmm. Folks, if you read the Bible, you read the book of Revelation, right there towards the very end of the book, it says that Death and hell gave up their dead. Mm -hmm. And they were cast into the lake of fire. Yeah. And all those that didn't believe, all those that were not found written in the Lamb's mm -hmm. book of life were cast right in with them. Mm -hmm. So hell is not the lake of fire. The lake of fire is what hell gets pitched into. Mm -hmm. Hell is its own separate torment. Yeah. It's its own separate torment. So it's going to be multiplied once that happens, it will be multiplied. I pray everybody here is saved. I do. Now, folks, judgment is pronounced first in Malachi 4. And that judgment's coming. And it's coming to those that do wickedly, just as Malachi wrote. Look, saved people, yes, we sin. We sin. I sin every day. You sin every day. We don't blatantly we don't purposely go out and try to sin we don't purposely try to offend god if you do you need to get saved because you ain't we don't do that and when we sin the holy ghost shows us that we sin and we repent of that sin mm -hmm. but those that do wickedly they don't care they don't care they're they're so in love with their sin. And that's why people won't get saved. Because they love their sin more than they love the forgiveness that's offered to them. They love darkness rather than light like I've already preached. Uh, like John chapter 3 says. They're in love with their sin and they don't want to let go of it. And then, then they'll come to an altar. They'll say a little, a little 10 second prayer. And some preacher will say, alright, you good with God now. And they go right back out in the world. And they live like hell like they've done all their lives. Folks, that ain't salvation. Nothing ever took place when that happens. If we have a desire for God. If we have a desire. That's good. That's what we need. Hey, that's, that's for the church. The church should have desire for God. You don't have a desire for God, get saved. You don't have a desire for the worship of God. You don't have a desire to read the word of God. Folks, that's a love letter that is written to us. That, that whole book is one big long love letter. It's written to you, it's written to me. And if you've got no desire to read that, you need to get saved. 
And he gets saved. Period. Because the desire should be there. Desiring the sincere milk of the word, Peter says. And folks, it is sincere. That's the most sincere word that's ever been penned on this planet. It's right there in that book. 